the comic book pit. Okay. Welcome back to the Comic Book Pit. This is episode 347. Uh, my name is Dan, and with me in our respective uh, self-isolating capsules, we've got Jared. Hello. Sean. Hi. Kate. Hi. And Link. Hey. And we are here uh, again, not together, <laughs> because of circumstances <laughs> that everyone is aware of unless you are a resident of Georgia um, yeah. <laughs> uh, to uh, talk um, you know we'll try and have some fun we're, we're talking we're still talking comics and comic related things and you know all things pop culture but uh, clearly things have have taken a taken a turn with the with the coronavirus and uh, everyone, you know, self-isolating and, and the uh, seriousness of what's going on. And it's hitting a lot of industries and businesses, of course. And, uh, and the, certainly the comic book and entertainment industry is no stranger to that. And, uh, you know, we're seeing that with a lot of, a lot of our favorite shops in the area uh, being forced to, uh, you know, close their doors and find, alternate revenue streams, you know, we were kind of talking about this, you know, pre-show, but, you know, do, does anyone have any, um, like if we were going to play, uh, you know, a fortune teller, what, you know, does anyone uh, have any, any predictions for the future? Like, uh, society as a whole, or you mean like no? A- <laughs> no, let's, let's settle down, Sean. <laughs> let's, let's, let's just focus on comic books and entertainment for now. Not um, you know, like wearing like I, like shoulder pads and you know, and I know, think uh, driving comics, down Fury Road. I think comics wise, uh, I think the brick and mortar stores will probably take a hit, but I think a lot of the ones that will still stand, they'll they'll start doing more stuff online to reach that audience that they probably didn't consider before. Um, I've been, I've been hearing that you guys were, we're all saying that Marvel and DC are doing more uh, on their digital stuff. Um, I do think that diamond finally might be broken up because I think I read an article. I need to check up on it, but DC was talking about, finding different distributed uh, distribution channels. Now, I don't know if it's because of the virus or just because they're like, you know what, this is a perfect time to just say to F these guys, because let's face it, Diamond is a bit of a, uh, a monopoly. Yep. Yes, absolutely. And I figured if DC does that, Marvel's probably not far behind because, you know, like was in the early 2000s with the whole... Um, 
comics code. You know, Marvel was like, I'm done with the comics code. We're not doing this no more. We can regulate our own books. And then, you know, DC was, you know, wasn't far behind. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm hoping that a lot of stores, particularly in Pittsburgh, I really hope a lot of the the stores uh, will be all right on the other end because there are some really nice guys there uh, from New Dimension, The Phantom, and and, uh, Copacetic. So I think I think they'll be fine if they make it through, and I think they'll just have more like presence online. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people have to have come up with creative solutions right now that'll definitely stick around. And those who already had the creative solutions are probably doing better right now than than those who are scrambling to come up with ideas, though. But mm-hmm. and not to be crass about it, but that. That is the challenge you're faced with, and you're right, Brandon. Link the—I uh, don't know what name you prefer to go by. You can link. <laughs> okay. Um, you could just combine both and call them Blink. Blink. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the you, that is my excellent name. The uh, the stores that 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 do are able to be creative and work around this challenge will be the ones to survive it, and and I'm hoping that they all do. I mean, I don't want to see any of them disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. Uh, it, it it will probably change the landscape a little bit. I guess it all depends how long this goes on. I mean, if it's a few months, then I think it, it might hurt, but I think it's survivable. If it extends past that, we may lose some places that we love. Um, and we might be left with like just the big, the, the, the conglomerates might be the ones to emerge from this. And then eventually little guys will reemerge. Mm-hmm. Maybe new little guys will reemerge, and the ones that we love will we'll lose them, but we'll get new ones down the road. So, and that not necessarily just comics that could happen to. That's all. Oh yeah, yeah. This yeah. is that could happen too. Yeah. Um, I do think if it doesn't go too too long, and we're not all too too hurt, we'll see an economic boom once it's over. Because I think people will just be so happy to get Some out money. and do stuff again that you'll just be making it rain all over the place, so to speak. But Fingers crossed. That's the uh, that's that's my optimistic outlook on on all this. So, and we're seeing a lot. I mean, uh, again, aside from the comic book industry, the the entertainment industry of which we, yeah. we talk about a lot uh, is changing. Again, like the, that whole landscape is changing. Um, a lot of um, shows uh, have have shut up early. Um, movies are getting pushed back. I think did did they push Black Widow back to the fall, or is it going to coming out next year? Ugh. I think it's in October. I th- yeah, I think everything just got pushed back a slot as opposed to because uh, if they push it back a year, I imagine that would screw up things for their shared universe dynamic. Mm, right. That's my that's my theory. I'm like ninety nine point nine repeating percent sure it's like October fourth or something like that. Okay. I thought they were supposed to take the place of. Um, uh, the internals. Yeah. Spot, yes. The internals. Joint. I forgot about the internals, which yeah. is fascinating. If, if we were indeed supposed to be six months out from the Eternals, you think there would have been something would have popped up by now. They were probably waiting for the, uh, San Black Diego. Widows. Oh, it's, yeah. that's, like a, that's like six weeks out. I mean, you normally yeah. you start, uh, put dropping, you know, teasers and tidbits and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, they, they could also have been waiting for black widow. Maybe that somehow ties into something in some, convoluted way or they were going to just you know throw the throw the you know a, a teaser up before 
Black Widow or something, even if it's not yeah. coming in, you know. You know, is there any word on when sh- um, what they're doing with any of the shows as far as like, I mean, they stop production on pretty much every television. Yeah. Show. I was going to say, I don't know what's happening with shield. Um, Cause I know that was supposed to be coming out soon. I don't even know if they even did anything or if they're just waiting, waiting it out till they can film the whole thing and then, then release it or what. Um, but I also know, uh, I'm pretty sure I think CW is done now. Or at least the our our part of the CW is done at the moment. I, any new stuff's coming out. I keep seeing like talk of like a new episode of Supergirl coming out in a couple of okay. weeks. Okay. So I think they might just be dragging them out. I don't know if all those shows like finished. Oh, they're their trying to drift them, yeah. But yeah. I think they might just be uh, pumping the brakes and then just spreading out, out when they drop them. There that might be a new sense. episode of Supergirl tonight. I don't even know because I, I keep seeing some like. Uh, Melissa Benoist directed the episode and they're like, it's coming out. And she directed it. Hmm. Now, I did hear that um, the walking dead was not, they just were flat out not going to finish their season that the last episode that aired or that was going to air, I guess they retooled it to be the season finale. Oh, okay. I don't know if anyone still watches the walking dead. I, yeah, we, we, we just watched uh, the latest episode and I, I don't think that ended in a way that could be a, a finale season finale I right now, so. but there might be like one more episode in the can. I saw something. I was watching better call Saul and there was an ad and it said, like, I just caught a glimpse of like a title screen. I said like last episode before the something finale in the fall or whatever. Okay. Uh, okay. So and I think someone mentioned about someone here on the show, not external to the show, um, has mentioned some something about what Marvel and DC were planning to do. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of comic, you know, other companies are, you know, they're everyone is scrambling, you know, in, in the industry as far as, I mean, uh, you know, the publishers and distributors and, um, you know, they're they're trying to make something happen. I, I know there was um, that company comic hub was was sort of coming up with a plan to offer a kind of like a voucher like they would like customers would pay for a digital version of the comic and then once everything normal resumed then they would turn in the voucher for a physical copy Uh, it sounds like that did not go over well with the majority of retailers probably for a, a lot of reasons. Um, it's probably a logistical nightmare to deal with all that. Yeah. yeah that, stuff. Yeah. That idea came out and then died just as quickly, which it's funny. My store just got on to that synced up with that right before everything went away. So like I put the app on my phone to track my orders the, the same week that everything shut down. Mm. Oh. Yeah. I'd, I'd imagine there's something that, Marvel would do because they already give away digital comics if you buy the physical version. You get the code. Yeah, there's a code inside. So, but it shouldn't be that hard for them to reverse that. Yeah. I well, I feel like Marvel and you know Marvel and DC have to be the kind of you know they kind of if there's going to be any kind of revolution or any kind of change in the industry, they kind of have to spearhead it. Be- yeah. Before anyone will follow, I know. Um, is it the, the publisher of image Eric Stevenson kind of wrote this letter to the industry 
but I don't think it really did. You know, it was, it was nice of him to do. And it was, you know, I think it was very thoughtful, but I don't think a lot of people took it to heart. So I, I think if anything is going to happen, it's going to happen. It's going to have to happen from the big two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess if they are still proceeding, making comics and doing digital stuff, uh, I, I said this before the show, but that just creates a, a whole different messed up scenario for, for readers and the, the, the fan community in general to, mm-hmm. you know, know what's going on and, keeping up with your, your favorite characters. If you're not a, if you're, you know, some 60, 70 year old guy who doesn't like to, to use, you know, his iPad for, or doesn't even have an iPad to, to read comics. Like you're, you're kind of screwed at that point. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of pushback online from, you know, just from individual, you know, fans, yeah, that's that's pretty much I think where they're at. It's people like you know, there the majority of people obviously like their physical copies. There are some people that are very extreme. Like I, I saw one guy say on a on a store site, "Well, if, if if your store goes under, I'm not reading comics anymore." I'm like, that's a little extreme. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like, why would you? I mean, I I know it would suck, but why would you deprive yourself? I'd be like saying, well, if my favorite McDonald's goes out of business, I'm never going to eat fast food again. Or if <laughs> my favorite giant Eagle goes out of business, I'm never going to you know, buy groceries again. I'm like that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. I, I'm a slow adapter to digital. It's not my favorite way to read them. I do prefer the, I, the I physical. Um, I mean, but if, if that's the only method, then, I'm not going to draw that hard line in the sand, but it is definitely going to uh, be a be a cause for evaluation. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, I, like the one thing that bugs me about digital comics, like Bond, is that they cost the same as the physicals. That's that's always yeah. a complaint, and that, that I, it just doesn't because uh, it doesn't add up. Yeah, it doesn't add up. The company, I guess, wants the bigger cut of the money. Ideally it would be, Oh, they, the company takes less than the creative team still gets the same amount for the, right. Company. But you know, that's, that's not how the world works. Sadly. True. Yeah. I'm, I'm weirdly okay with it because for me in the long run, as someone who's already adopted the digital reading, yeah, method, you're already there. Yeah. I've been doing it for a couple of years now and I still love physical comics, but, but I, but now, you know, I buy, you know, just random back issues or, you know, I like finding key issues or just beat up comics for, you know, at yard sales and stuff like that. Um, the storage of comics is, is a real, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It is. And not only, not only the storage, but I mean, yeah, anyone can throw comics in a box, but if you, if you want them to be decent, then you got to, you know, Oh, well, here's 20 bucks for a set of bags and boards. And mm-hmm. here's, here's half of a, a Saturday or Sunday afternoon that I've got to sit there and mm-hmm. bag and board everything, which mm-hmm. I used to love doing don't get me wrong. I would, you know, I'd sit in front of the TV and I'd put on a movie or binge a show and, just sit there all day and, and bag and board my comics. But, you know, but now that's time I have back. 
<laughs> and I, I don't have to organize my comics in giant piles. And, um, I, you know, I don't have to, you know, the next time I move, I've only got to move like maybe a half dozen short boxes of stuff. Um, and Hey, and I can, I can take my comics anywhere I go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I'm not trying to sell anybody on this, but for me personally, you know, for, for my weekly reading, it's like, it's definitely my preferred method now. Mm-hmm. And, but that doesn't mean I, you know, I, I still try and support comic shops. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go on, you know, special, like, you know, I, I, I like to go and just, you know, look around and uh, dig through dollar boxes or, um, I mean, it was a, it was a real bummer to, you know, I mean, free comic book day. I mean, we're, you know, free comic book day is a big event for us. That's, that's like a nerd Christmas. I mean, and we're, we're missing that this year. Well, I'm not saying missing. I mean, it's getting pushed back, but that's just another event that we're missing out on. Um, yeah. When I think about how music changed, how, you know, it, the transition from listening to CDs to buy, then like buying things on from iTunes. And now I don't even do that anymore. Everything is just streaming, you know, pay a monthly fee. Um, I mean, is it, is it that much different? That's why I wonder if, if that might be the future for mainstream comics is converting them to a, streaming service where say, you yeah. pay a lump sum fee and then you just add, then bam you get all the titles mm-hmm. there might be a diminished line of titles but now you get the avenger oh. books you get the x-men books you that's get the, the marvel unlimited app right like that's that's the their thing but it's i don't know i feel as if there needs to be a service that that, that and this is probably what would replace physical stores would be the, the a weekly like oh all the comics for the week are out yeah it has to be it's like, it's like cable and maybe you pay like a small bit for each cu- publisher to get like their things on on their device on your device or whatever that came out that week something like that i don't know yeah but that's kind of like what that comics hub wanted to do yeah yeah no i could see that because right now like for, for marvel unlimited you pay basically 10 bucks a month and you get their entire back catalog and then you get new comics six months after yeah but say if they were if they were to be like oh for an extra five bucks a month you'll get, you get them the, you'll yep. day and date yeah that's what they need it's it's sort of like the difference between like hulu with ads and hulu without ads like, exactly yeah hulu and hulu plus be like. <laughs> so yeah i don't know maybe that is the direction they'll be heading and i know that that sucks for, yeah. for a lot of people. I mean, and like I said, I, I certainly don't want, don't want comic stores to disappear, but I guess it, it's inevitable. I, I feel like that, you know, they're going to have to find more ways to adapt. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I can imagine, I know, um, I think a, a lot of people adapt through um, merchandise mm-hmm. like prior to, like even, you know, excluding COVID, um, you know, that's, that's, I think what was keeping the, the, the lights on for a lot of people is selling Funko pops and action figures. Yeah. I might be wrong. I mean, I, I, you, I, I know you might probably have more insight than I do on stuff like that, Dan, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, all the, the new dimension comics, I, I think comic books 
might represent, you know, if you were to go into any NDC store, comics might represent 40 or 50% of what's in the store. The rest is gaming, toys, pop. Yeah, pop vinyls is huge, as I'm sure everybody knows. Yes. Um, there are entire. We went into a store in Indianapolis uh, over Christmas. We were visiting relatives, and they literally had like an entire section of the store. Like it was a wall of pop vinyls and shelves and just displays. Like it's like they didn't have enough room to put all their pop vinyls. They, it was insane how many pop vinyls they had in this place. Um, but that's, that's what people love now. I mean, I, um, one of my, one of my coworkers, we were having this conference call and, and everyone was kind of going around saying one thing they enjoyed. Um, and someone, this one woman was like, I love pop vinyls. She doesn't collect comics. She's mm-hmm. not a gamer. She's not, she just, she's this like middle-aged woman and she collects pop vinyls. <laughs> so, so there, you know, well, you know, and where do you get those pop vinyls? Well, most people get them at comic book stores or, mm-hmm. you know, but, but you can also get them at, you know, bookstores and I don't know. I mean, there's FYE has like a whole wall. There you go. Yeah. Record store, you know, any kind of like technology and Mm -hmm. God, FYE still exists. I was going to say that. Well, I haven't been to the Westmoreland mall in a while. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't been to the Westmoreland mall in a while, but the last time I was there, that that probably was about 20% of their store. Wow. If I had a time machine, I'm going shopping to Suncoast. That's where I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to pick up some yeah. widescreen VHS tapes. Oh, my, oh yeah. Oh, my, my buddy was a was a assistant manager at Suncoast back in the day, and man, he hooked me up with some stuff. Let me tell you. Nice. It was great. Oh. You had to drive an hour to get to the nearest one. Wow. And we'd go there, and then actually there's just that whole section of widescreen VHS tapes, and that's. And that was it. That's all I cared about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, my first job when I was like 12 was at Suncoast. So yep. not 12, but whatever the appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're violating some labor laws there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I was a child slave, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was mining the videotapes for Suncoast. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll, I'll do everyone one better. We'll see how, how old everyone is. Who had, right, here we go. Who had who had uh, laser discs? No, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> crickets. We didn't have many, but my my dad was a was an early adopter of laser discs, which were basically giant. Imagine a album size like DVD. Oh yeah, I remember yeah, them. They, yeah. looked, they looked awesome. In fact, they they I I worked at Camelot Music. Everyone remember Camelot Music? Yes. Yeah. Um, we had a we had a we had a section a laser disc section, and this old guy came in once and he bought Casablanca and I'm like, oh, that's cool. This guy's up with the technology. He brought it back a week later. He's like, I thought this was a record. Yeah. I'm like, no, yeah. this was a movie. It's all scratched to hell. <laughs> yeah, he's like dropping the record. No, I think we had exactly like six movies in my house. We had like Jurassic Park, Top Gun. We had just like the the, the major like yeah 
blockbusters because they had the best like sound like right like my dad would put on giraffe like he was so proud of this he would put on anytime someone new came over that hadn't yet experienced the uh green wall stereo system he would (laughs) he would he'd be like hey hold on listen to this and he'd put on jurassic park and skip to the uh like the t-rex scene yeah t-rex three and he would crank it <laughs> like it was so, it sound like the T-Rex was running through the house. It was kind of cool, but also kind of like after the seventh time, I'm like, all right, dad, it, uh, that's enough. Now the only exposure, I think there was a friend of mine may have had some in high school, but our one science class, we had them. I think we had like the old um, Cosmos. With um, oh, Neil Sagan, Carl Sagan. Say yes, yes. I think it was that. I remember having them in that class, and I remember I do remember them, but yeah, I didn't. My family was late adapters on technology, so we did not laser disc. My dad probably doesn't even know what a laser disc is. <laughs> oh, we had VHS up until I left home, and I think I didn't adapt to DVDs maybe till like maybe two thousand two, two thousand three. Wow, I think that's when I bought. Yeah, that's when I bought our first DVD player, and I bought our first DVD player, and at the same time, I bought my first DVD, which was the uh, the extended edition, like the thick case of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Nice. Oh, (laughs) I have that. Forty-two days of extras. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know what my first DVD was. I I can't remember. I remember mine because I had bought a DVD before I had the player and it was uh payback, the Mel Gibson movie. Oh shit. Nice. <laughs> that was a pretty good movie. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, it's the same story that remember, uh, Darwin cook did those Parker books. Well, it is, a, yeah. It's the same story. Yeah. Yeah. Because the author wouldn't, I guess he had some sort of like legal clause where, yeah, he wouldn't let them use the, the name. Yeah. So it's called it Porter like, in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, instead of Parker, he's Porter. Yeah. Like, Although, I guess they wanted sequels, and it's like, they were like, no, we're not going to do sequels. And they're like, and he's like, no, then you can't use the name. But then a few years later, they basically made the exact same movie with Jason Statham, J-Lo, and Michael Chiklis. And I oh, really? they called it Parker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they were trying to do a, a couple movies out of that, but since it kind of stinks... Yeah. Well, I didn't check that one out. I mean, Parker the Hunter has been adapted like a whole bunch of times. Like, what was it? Mm-hmm. Lee Marvin did one yeah. back in the day. I think it was yeah. like Point Blank. Yep. And then Payback and then Parker. There it is. Yeah. Those are some good yeah, I think that's, that's the one I have, yeah. Dude, I think there's a fourth one I never got. Yeah, Slayer. these are. Slayground? I have, see, this is the Hunter. I have the outfit and the score. Up there. Yeah. Yeah, I think Slayground was the last one, right, Sean? Yeah. I don't have that one. I think I read it digitally, and it wasn't my particular favorite. I mean, Darwin Cook is always, like, top-notch. I mean, it was very top-notch, but stories-wise, like, if I had to base it, like, on the Hunters, or on the Parker series, uh, it's kind of like third, maybe four, like, out of four of them. Like, what's not my particular favorite, but it was still good. Dang, now I want to go back and reread those. 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think when we're done here, I'm going to. You, you don't want to go back and watch Payback? <laughs> I think I'll do both. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can watch Payback, only because it's Mel Gibson. But it's well, like, yeah. it's like one of my favorite separate, movies. John. You got to separate the yeah, band from the art. I know. Was, it's it's hard it sometimes. Pre-crazy pre Mel. I know. Was, and, I, and I think about it as well as um, watching Road Warrior, yeah, Mad Max, on. and I'm like, so what? It's Mel Gibson, but Everyone it's like got there's something. He's still Braveheart, man. John Lennon <laughs> used to beat his wife. You know, I love the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he tried Different to sue Lennon. I think Lennon tried to sue his wife too, because he called Not her cheating. Oh no, with the first one. His first. Yeah, one. the first one, because I guess she was cheating, and he tried to sue her. As I'm saying like, is, yeah, you got to compartmentalize. I mean, if if they like. Had a children sex ring, then yeah, you gotta cut them out because yeah, that's there's there's ex- limits. True, very true. And that's a lot like comics. That that's also. I mean, uh, Kevin's I think that does extend. It's terrible in that respect, but American Beauty is oh, still one of my favorite yeah. movies. I, yeah, yeah. You know how, sure got, yeah. I would say, do you know how badly I want to go back and rewatch uh, House of Cards, but I feel mm-hmm. morally obligated to not. Yeah. Even though House of Cards is an amazing show and they really screwed up the last season, but they had no choice because of what happened and they made you know the last season focus on Robin Wright Penn and but oh man, I, I really want to go back and rewatch that. It's such a uh, actually my guilty pleasure is um it's Dukes of Hazard. It's not so much what the actors, it's what the Confederate flag on the Confederate flag, yeah, yeah. generally. Yeah, and I, and I watched the show like I watched it a couple of times, and I still love it. Like I was like, "Oh, that's yeah. so fun! Oh, that's so cool! Oh my god, they're doing the the jump!" But then they'll Charging do like jumps. It's awesome. But wait, what what are they advocating with that flag on the top? But then they'll <laughs> do like a, a camera shot on top of the hood because you know that, mm-hmm. that's what you got to do. And I see the the Confederate flag, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. All right, I guess. And then Duke boys are racist. <laughs> <laughs> I even watched the the movie with the what was it Knox? Oh, John Knox. Yeah, yeah and His face. Sean White. Some, some of it was still, I mean, it was still. I have that on DVD as well. Yeah. <laughs> you get that on Blu-ray? <laughs> no, Blu-ray didn't exist yet. So. Was, that, was that the Criterion Collection edition of? <laughs> I do. Have, what do I have? I have Chasing Amy on Criterion. I got I had, Kevin Smith uh, signed like twenty years ago. I had Jason the, uh, Amy on tape. Rushmore, uh, the Criterion. Mm. See, that was all, that was that was. There's a lot of bones they were asking for that Rushmore Criterion. I just couldn't bring myself to drop. I think it was like forty five bucks. I think Suncoes for the Rushmore Criterion, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. It's a lot of money in like one dollars. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Well, that's. That, that's the beauty of like living in today because like everything, like we have the secondary market now. Mm-hmm. Now you can go somewhere and buy a DVD for a buck. Yeah. You know, you yeah. Can, now they'll give it to you. you can go <laughs> yeah. And there are literally like just aisles and aisles of DVDs that are, they're just like, Hey, 20 for a dollar. You know? Yeah. I'm, Please curious, take how, I'm curious about how much uh, Disney, physical movies got offloaded when Disney plus came out when people were like, well, get rid of the Disney collection. 
I would be surprised too because they're not. They do limit the supply, like of the the cartoon yeah. movies and the clam shells. Like they do kind of limit those. So I think there is a market. There's a demand for those. Yeah. So mine. So I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I I, I think that's a separate category than like here's these. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. DVDs of these random 2004 movies that you know you forgot even existed. That, if you want that Cinderella clam show, I think you're going to have to. I think that's a premium yeah. thing. Yeah, if you if you want the Little Mermaid case with the dick on it, you gotta yeah. you gotta show out. <laughs> I have that. Yeah, we all. Have that. <laughs> <laughs> that's in my parents' basement right now. <laughs> you like pointed out. Probably it's not. Probably my dad probably tossed it out. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> but, uh, like Little Mermaid. No, yeah. and you're just like, but dad, there's a dick on it. Yeah, that's the dick <laughs> edition. <laughs> so that's a lot like comics. Yeah. <laughs> is it? it is. It's special. Those variant covers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those variant editions. I will say one thing about streaming that I kind of miss uh, when going to like a, a video store is like, I like streaming, don't get me wrong, but I kind of like the physical copies. I also don't feel like, I don't know, it's like in between like scrolling TV channels and going to like a blockbuster where mm-hmm. you just see what you got there and you're just like trying to find what you got. And it just seemed easier where now, like streaming wise, I'm like, it's oh, hard I'm- to navigate menus. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's It was much easier to just walk down an aisle and be like, yeah. oh, here's all the horror. But if yeah. you... You ever try to look up movies on Hulu? It's a nightmare. It yeah, is. yeah, it's <laughs> But you know, I mean, to be honest, and that is part of uh, part of the reason why you know I I, I fear for uh, to bring it back to comic book stores uh, because there's something to that, like actually going to the store and browsing the aisles, yes, and finding something new, something that like, oh, that looks interesting. I mean, yeah, you can. You can do that on Comixology, but it's not the same. And a lot, I mean, and I'll be honest, a lot of times there's stuff, even stuff on Comixology I miss. Uh, mm-hmm. Like uh, DC and Marvel stuff, I'll sometimes miss. But it's because you're looking at your screen and the, the covers are these, you know, inch, inch tall thumbnails. Yeah. And it's not the same as looking at the full size copy on the shelf and, being face to face with it and being able to flip through it. And, um, you know, that was one of my favorite parts about weekly comic shopping is the, the ritual of going to the shop and browsing the shelves and getting recommendations from the people that work there or, or other customers, you know, um, you know, there's so much stuff that I've, I was exposed to from guys like, like Wayne, at fan yeah. um or you know like uh, all the guys at fan are great like uh, you know Jeff and Jimmy and Dave and Wayne and um but you know the guys that that I I worked with at uh New Dimension Comics or you know uh, or Colin from Pittsburgh Comics like those are guys that know what the, you know it's like they they have a love for what they do so it's like they like like you know I can definitely trust what they say as opposed to like, oh, here's something on Comixology. You click on it and you get the solicitation, and that's really it. You're like, okay, well, no, I know what it's about, but does it? Yeah, and those are gonna push yeah. all the push all the big event things that you be like, this is the big Marvel book with the big name writer on it, and you're like, okay, but tell me about something I might not already know about. Like, yeah, yeah. 
you know, clue me in on, uh, you know, a new artist or a new book or like a new indie creator or something that you're digging right now that I miss. And I, I feel like that is a big part of the comic buying experience. You know, it's not just getting your weekly comics week in and week out. It's getting the, the experience that goes with it. Yeah. And I, th- I think that'll, that would, that kind of stuff would hurt um, like the, the physical stores and stuff, not having that kind of like uh, grassroots recommendation system would hurt a lot of up and coming creators and artists and all that stuff. Just because mm-hmm. it feels if like, yeah, you know, if, if you work for, you know, DC or Marvel, you kind of get like the little stamp of approval being like, Hey, this dude's worth working here. Check out their stuff. Um, but you know, maybe at image or something or somewhere else where boom, whatever, like Lumberjanes is not a book that I would be like, oh yeah, cool. I'm going to go check out this random book by this person I've never heard of. And, you know, that's not something that would just happen unless you were in a physical store to like flip through it and, and check it out and then hear the word of mouth about it and being like, oh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess social media does play a part in that, but it still feels like the, the, uh, having it like more in a physical space uh, counts for more than just, you know, oh, they're they're trending on Twitter. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what's that mean? Versus like Wayne being like, hey, check out Giant Days. This book mm-hmm. looks like nothing that you would like, but I promise that it's up your alley. And, you know, it, of course it is because Wayne, you know, knew his customers. Right. Well, you know, I guess speaking of, you know, all things comics, um, I guess we have some to talk about. Anyone feel like going first? I will. Okay. Since we don't have... Oh, look at that teacher's pet. (laughs) (laughs) Since we don't have new comics to go through, I took a dive into the the boxes upstairs. Because I'm sure like most of us, we go binging through like back issue bins, get a whole collection of stuff, and then it just gets filed (laughs) away without being read. Yeah, they get bagged and boarded. Yeah. So I seized the opportunity to uh, read some of these books. And so what I read were some uh, 45-year-old issues of Action Comics, issues 446 and 450 from uh, April and August of 1975. And uh, they are a delightful little time capsule of another bygone era. These ones, uh, for keeping score at home, it's written by Carrie Bates. Art is by Kurt Swan. And then, uh, Sean, you might be the only person I know who would appreciate this. The one issue is inked by uh, Bob Oxner. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the that issue, I, I love the dynamics of these because they're – I don't know exactly what the relationship between Lois and Clark is. It's not defined. They seem to just be colleagues and friends, which kind of reminds me of like a CW show dynamic. Like they're not, they're they're not, I don't get the, they're not a couple. I don't get that at all. Um, They they just seems to be uh, friends at best. And so it's about Lois trying to figure out how Clark is able to contact Superman in the case of an emergency. And so there's some other like shadow Russian organization that also wants to know how Clark is able to, uh, signal Superman because they want to be able to learn that and then manipulate Clark Kent to make Superman their puppet. That's like the B plot. 
And so at one point in here, there's a bank that gets heisted by uh, rockets are attached to it and it flies away because that's how buildings work. Yes. And um, and then at the end, <laughs> Lois Lane, crack, you know, investigative journalist deduces that Clark contacts Superman by running his hands through his hair because she notices <laughs> right before Clark disappears, the, the spit crow drops. So obviously what Clark is doing is running his hands through his hair because he uses some sort of like uh, some uh, specific type of like pomade or whatever. (laughs) And it has like these special chemicals in it that it creates a vibration that alerts Superman. And uh, to quote, ingenious as Clark's system is, it's not clever enough to stump Lois Lane. (laughs) And, and, and so Clark's like on the other side of the wall, just like, uh huh. <laughs> and I was just like, what a, hey, it's adorable. Like, you just, yeah. Like, like, that's the story. Like, that's what they do. That's the story. And then uh, what was also fun about this issue was there's a backup story with Black, uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary drawn by Mike Grell. So, which it's rushed. So the storytelling is, is very uh, fast. It just runs, but I just don't need to see that art. And then um, what I really got a kick out of was issue 450. Um, same creative team, except not Bob Oxner on the inks. Lois and Clark go to Las Vegas to see what is appears to be DC Comics version of Johnny Carson doing a stand-up show in Las Vegas. Evidently, <laughs> he uh, his name's Johnny Nevada. <laughs> Which uh, Carson is a city in Carson City, Johnny Nevada. Uh, And then there's a line in here where it's like (laughs) they do like a here's Johnny type. Yeah. But in less time than it takes to say here's Johnny because he goes out like for a walk before a show and gets jumped and Superman like foils the muggers. Um, So there and, and like Clark Kent is friends with this Johnny Carson character. And they go to the stand-up show, and somehow, like, a dust storm becomes sentient and attacks Johnny Nevada, and he becomes, like, this walking dust storm. And he's, like, quote-unquote menacing Las Vegas. And here what he was trying to do was to... He's doing like Pratt Falls to get people to laugh at him because laughter is what makes Johnny Nevada like feel like him true self getting laughs. But he can't hear the laughs because of the dust storm that's like encompassed him. <laughs> so Superman deduces this and uses his super laugh, oh which is a booming laugh. And, and amid the almost unbearable reverberating clamor, a startling transformation unfolds. And the super laugh doesn't stop until – so basically Superman uses his super laugh to penetrate that dust storm so that Johnny Nevada can hear the laugh, in which case he can then become himself and overpower the sentient dust storm that has uh, taken over him. And I love it. This counted. Like, this was real. Like, I, I don't know who this was for. <laughs> Like I don't. That's I'm sure it was like children. Continuity now. Yes. Well, it was wiped <laughs> out by crisis, but. 
the, comics are wild. Don't worry, they got. I'm sure you got his memories back from it during did, birth. Yeah, like like what <laughs> what was the like twelve issue storyline like in the like New Fifty Two that was the Johnny Carson sentient sandstorm storyline? That's what it would have been. <laughs> like I forget. So I'll oh, go ahead. Super, what does a super laugh do to somebody who's not in a sandstorm? Is he just blowing on eardrums? I'm guessing. Yeah, everyone is deaf now because he's doing it in a crowd of people. <laughs> oh, okay, so there's it, there's well, drawings of them. Yeah. Is it kind of like? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> well, here's the cover. Wow, that's, that's amazing. That How could I see this in a in a back issue box? This cover right. and not buy it. I think it was like two dollars or whatever. That's worth it. Like this is right. coming home with me just for that. <laughs> now uh, let let's you know. Here's hoping that that Bendis goes back and uh, and pulls the super laugh out of the uh, archives and. Right. Uses that. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, these are just adorable. 1975. Dan, you were, uh, just graduated college. That's true. Yes. <laughs> Start, yes. Starting your career. Hey, now I was two years old. <laughs> <laughs> you punk. <laughs> I was just a baby. Now and I love those old comics, not just for the silly stories, but for like the ads, everything about it. And just one last, like the art-wise, like the Oxner inks on Kurt Swan are is some classic Superman illustration there. The other inker, whose name I don't remember, it's not worth mentioning, but it, there's a little something extra. There's Bob Oxner inks on the Kurt Swan pencils. For those who appreciate that sort of thing. <laughs> So speaking of old things that were fun, the kind of the spiritual successor, I think, to Batman, the animated series, the uh, original producers of that show put out a, a new digital comic called Batman, the Adventures Continue. And it is, let's see. And I think the guys that did it were the uh, guys that did the uh, Batman the Animated Series comic back in the 90s. It was uh, Alan Burnett, Aldini, Ty Templeton. And uh, it's got a pretty awesome cover by Dave Johnson. I, I love Dave Johnson. And it's a pretty it's a pretty standard fare. It's uh, Star Labs in Gotham is attacked by a giant robot that steals this huge piece of technology and uh, from a lab. And so, you know, it's the mystery of... Uh, who's controlling the robot and you know, how's Batman going to stop him because is, you know, he tried stopping him with batarangs and that obviously didn't work. And, and then coincidentally Lex Luthor shows up at a gala event that Bruce Wayne is at. And, and then uh, shows up later in his, uh, his awesome green and purple armor to face Batman. And, you know, the story continues it from there this was a lot of fun picking up where the Batman, like the animated series left off. It just doesn't really skip a beat. So anyone who's a fan of that, I think would uh, find this, you know, just light and it's good for, I mean, it's, it's family friendly. It's good for, you know, it's something good to um, show kids. You know, if you if you want to show them some new Batman material, that's, uh, you know, that's not Tom King. <laughs> it's, <laughs> And it's like I said, it's got that animated series style, but it's it's um, you know, but it's still it, it feels 
kind of firmly rooted more in the DC universe than the animated series universe. Oh, like, interesting. Because, uh, you know, it's got Lex Luthor in it, so that's pretty cool. I think it's digital only right now, so you'd have to get it on Comixology. But it was pretty. I think it was only like 99 cents or something, so... Yeah, I think I think they're also supposed to be coming out with a physical version of it at some point too. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing it solicited. Yeah, I definitely wanted to check it out. I was kind of curious about it too, as well as uh, I do like some Dave Johnson cover work. Yes, if he's gonna, I mean, it, it's just such an iconic cover, and if he's gonna be doing the covers, I mean, I would almost plop down if it's only like ninety nine cents. I'm like, oh, here, take my dollar for some, uh, you know, new Dave Johnson art. Mm-hmm. I'm always a fan. So that was, that was an easy buy, especially in a week when like literally nothing new came out from, yeah, you know, or at least nothing that was, you know, uh, an on and anything ongoing from any of the major publishers. Are you still going Dan or can I, no, no, no. Uh, if, if someone else wants to pick up, they can go ahead. All right. Uh, I'll go through mine. I'm usually like a quick one anyway, so uh, I don't know why I'm showing the camera again. Like <laughs> doing this, <laughs> uh, but I just recently well, I uh, appreciate. It. I chose I chose this one to talk about more because uh, there's a, a bit of a story to it. Well, it's just a cool story, anyways. Uh, I got Creepy Presents Alex Toth. And if you don't know who Alex Toth is, he is basically like a really superb artist. And he is basically behind any of your Hanna-Barbera cartoon fixations. Like if you like Space Ghost, he designed Space Ghost. Like anything. Uh, Herculoids, uh, Super Friends. Uh, I think Josie and the Pussycats which I've been, been binge watching the original stuff for some reason, but for some reason, just, just cause <laughs> yeah, like, I'll, <laughs> like I should really watch the Josie and the Pussycats and it's actually really fun. <laughs> Wait, the movie? No, the cartoon. Oh, sorry. Obviously I really like the movie. <laughs> I, I was not a fan of the movie. I, oh no! It wasn't like I was, well. It's not like I was like a super fan of like the cartoon series. It was just like I watched it and I was like, eh. it looked fun. I mean, I guess it was all right. Like I did watch it at one time and it looked all right. Um, but I don't know. I think I just like the cartoon more because it's just it's it's crazy. Like it's just like oh yeah, all that stuff is. But anyways. Uh, so this is a collection of his spooky stories by, uh, Warren publishing from creepy and, uh, Oh crap. What was the other one? I don't know. Oh, eerie. And it's really good. It's like his top notch work. Like obviously when Alex Todd did anything, it was always top notch. Um, I have to admit like the animation does not, give it justice because during that time there it's like, you know, TV production was like super fast and super cheap. So a lot of his designs were always very cruddy looking, but 
uh, on the comic side, he was actually really good at like everything. Like he literally takes like minimum to a point of like, just great. Like it's just, he tells so much with so little and you can see this on, on every lines of, of his comics. A lot of the stories are kind of like, um, you know, like your twilight zone type of episodes or you like your Gothic horror. So it's not like, this is like before slasher movies was the thing. So, but mm. it makes play. I think a lot of the stories that are reprinted in this, uh, book is from like 66 to 1980. So it's good. I generally liked it. I actually got this at a bookstore, which I won't name because of how I got it. Because I don't want people to, well, I don't want people to show up there and be like, well, you got the, you gave it to this guy for such and such price. Why can't I get it? So I, I was at a, a Tunesian meeting and I had time. So I went to this local bookstore and I'm walking around. And of course it's a bookstore. I got to find where the comics are. And I found it. It was like way in the back and I'm like looking and looking. I'm like, Oh, and it's like a used bookstore. So it wasn't like a, a Barnes and Nobles. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I'm looking and I saw this and I actually saw a lone wolf and cub and, but I couldn't find the price. And I'm just like, where's the price at? Where's the price at? And flipping pages. You know, I'm looking on the back. And uh, once I figured out my selection, I was like, all right, well, I'll just go ask. I mean, it can't be that much. Like, I kind of doubt that. I mean, this book was retailing for like 20 bucks. And I'm like, well, it's used book. It's kind of dinged. It's, they're probably going to charge me 10 I think it seemed kind of legit. Like that would be a fair price is 10. And I go up to the guy and he's like, he wasn't the owner. He was like, just someone this man in the register and he was super cool. And I was like, Hey man, I saw the price for Lone Wolf and Cub. What's the price on this one? I couldn't find it. And he's like, Oh, it's on the inside of the book. And, I'm, and he takes the book from me and he flips and flips and flips. And it's like, Hmm, where, where is it? Oh, there it is. 1999. And I'm like, really it's like all right that kind of changes things but i don't know like and i was kind of hemming and hawing and and um and i actually said like all right you know what here take lone wolf back i figured like it's a couple months away from my birthday and i'm like yeah what the hell i'll spend 20 bucks on an alex toth book even if it is dinged like it's literally dinged right here uh, uh for the people just listening, it's at the bottom of the book and it's a hardback book. So whatever that actually like caused it must've did like some real force on it, but the pages and sell off the shelf. I don't know. It's like two of them. It looked uh -oh. like, oh. oh, there he is. It's a murder weapon. Yeah. But, um, you know, all the pages inside looked great. So, I mean, they weren't trashed or anything. And I thought, I, I just was like, all right, I guess I'll get this. It's it's close to my birthday. And, or I didn't say the birthday part, but I said, like, yeah, I'll get it. And he kind of looked at my face, and he was like, well, you know what, to tell you the truth, that is a bit pricey for that book. And my boss ain't here. How about <laughs> is, is 12 fine? I was like, yeah, I'll buy it for 12. Sure. I mean, I wasn't going to haggle with him. I mean, he didn't have to do that either. 
you know, I'm like, yeah, I'll totally buy that for 12. So I bought the book for 12 and I thought that was real cool. And I wanted to put it on Facebook, how cool it was, but I didn't want to like name drop the sweat the store. Mm. I mean, if I did, I that guess, makes sense. yeah, like I don't want to get the guy in trouble. He did me a salad when he didn't have to, he could have been like yeah. 20 bucks. Sorry. I don't write the rules. You, know? you can just tell us off the air. Yeah. I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> But it was just like real cool. And it was like definitely money worth spent. Like I've read like two or three stories out of this already. And I'm a big Alex Toth fan. And I'm not disappointed in it. Like it's just real good. Like I enjoy it a lot. Um, I must get if you can find it. It's called Creepy Presents Alex Toth. The first complete collection of Alex Toth's Warren Horror Stories. Um. And then the other one is, I'm not going to go through this whole volume. I kind of want to save that uh, for another review, like Jack Kirby's Fourth World as a whole. Mm-hmm. But this is um, out of the fourth volume of Jack Kirby. And this is like, I think it was kind of like a special print, like a like an annual size type of comic back in the day of New God. Okay. Bill's new material. And it was right before the last fourth world uh, story, which was called Hunger Hunger Dogs. And it's called Even Gods Must Die. And I have to admit, like, I was actually, I kind of liked it. Like, Jack Kirby in the 60s and 70s and even the 50s, you know, a lot of his storytelling is very, it's, it's really great but it can be very um, condensed or very convoluted. And I feel like in the eighties, or at least with this one, it was a lot more clear and he was just kind of, I don't know. There was like a lot of images. I was kind of amazed that he kind of went with, like there's a part where I think like a guard or like a sentry gets melted away by like molten metal. And you think like, oh, well, he'll just say like, it'll be a word bubble uh, on like off camera. He's like, oh, no, I'm melting away, you know. But no, it's like this dude and you see the metal going in his, like the liquid metal going in his mouth. And she's like, ah, I'm dying. And you're just like, what? Or even like Orion. Uh, This is kind of like, so in the fourth world stuff, um. Orion kept saying, like, on the final day, I'm going to face off with Darkseid, and this is just, it's either going to be him or I. And, you know, it's like some big thing. Kind of like in Harry Potter with Voldemort and Harry Potter, like, one can't live without the other, or one can't live if the other one lives, or something like that. So this is Orion, and he's going to Apocalypse to really start some stuff. So this is kind of like the issue right before it. And so it ends with a cliffhanger. The way it ends is like Orion kind of gets riddled with like, uh, I don't want to say they're bullet holes, like laser holes. And you're just like, wow, what, what, what is happening here? Like, I didn't expect that to happen, like in a Jack Kirby comic. And I kind of like dug it and it was like very interesting to read. And it's 45, it's 48 pages. And usually in Jack Kirby t- 
terms, that just feels like a, a graphic novel in itself. But reading it just was like very fast paced, very light, uh, very big. It might be because like during that time period of his um, life, he, he was sort of used to drawing on bigger boards as well as his eyesight wasn't so good. So, you know, you got like these big panels. The inking's not so great. It's by, uh, I think it's by Dan Barry. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, D. Bruce Barry. Um, he's not my particular favorite. He did a couple of uh, OMAC, um, One Man Army Corps. But, I mean, he does the job. As well as the coloring, I'm not a big fan of. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, you're going from, like, how to color Jack Kirby's artwork in the early seventies versus draw or coloring Jack Kirby's work in the eighties. I guess it's a, a bit of a trade-off. I guess they yeah. felt like this was the cool thing to do. Um, but I generally really like this story. Um, and right now you can find it. You can probably find it in the reprints of that Jack Kirby uh, fourth world omnibus. That's like a hundred bucks. Um, maybe the new gods reprints. Uh, my copy is from like maybe 10 years ago when I busted up the fourth world into like four trades. So, and that's it. Also, I don't like how dark sides drawn in this. And I think it's just because he, I think he forgot how to draw them a little bit. And so he was like, Oh yeah. Like, I just don't like particularly like his brow. It just looks off putting. Like I know dark side always had a brow. Yeah, but for some reason it's just like there. It just looks like I don't know. Like it, it looks like it's trying to eat his face <laughs> or something. Like he just has like a like a spongy lump thingy just like right there and just ready to eat his face at any moment. But I I liked it. There's some stuff I I've been reading the Fourth World for uh, a couple of years straight, and there's some parts in there where I'm like maybe because I kind of expected this to be more of like a, a wrap up of all the fourth world books where this seems more of a wrap up of new gods. And I don't know yet. So I'm waiting to find out with this, the next issue or next trade, the hunger, hunger dogs to see how it all rolls out. But it seemed a lot of it was kind of like, we're going to have these people in here and, you know, we're going to have these people and you're just like, well, weren't they kind of not there? Or like, I'm kind of wondering what happened to like Mr. Miracle and uh, the forever kids. And uh, so far they haven't made an appearance or anything. And like all of a sudden, like one guy that was like, or, or even like the, that's kind of going into the hunger, hunger dogs a bit, but like all of a sudden, like the short stories was that was in the fourth world stuff. Like, was it Lonar, which is just like a Conan Barbarian guy? All of a sudden, he's kind of prominent, and I'm like, really? He really didn't have much to add in the in the original stuff. But I'm waiting to find out. So I was very impressed and very liked it. I was kind of. Not sure about 80s Kirby work because I've seen some kind of raw Kirby stuff because of his eyesight. But 
I generally like this. I am a big Kirby fan, and I really like how this was going. And this was kind of nice. It, yeah, it's a very good addition to the fourth world stuff. Very cool. Link or Kate, do one of you guys want to want to go? Um, yeah, you know what? I'll, I do. You want to go? Uh, yeah, sure, I'll go. You were jumping in, so that's why I asked. Yeah. Um. So I'm doing the second volume of the Life is Strange trade paperback. And for anyone who has lived under a rock and is not familiar with Life is Strange, I understand not everyone has played it, but I think most people may have heard about it by now. Um, it is a pretty low-key-to-play video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I myself did not actually play it. Link did, because he wouldn't let me play it. Which is- <laughs> <laughs> um, but it definitely makes you feel like you're an adolescent again, for better or worse. It's a great story. There are definitely a lot of different paths you could go on throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Um, without giving away any spoilers, the trade paperback series is kind of going after the main game is over because there was also a prequel and now there's like a second season yeah, kind of thing. It's a different thing. spinoff story. Yeah. But for the main game, after the big you, you have, to do. Yeah, so you in the game you get choices. It's like a choose your own adventure. And so the they have to write around everybody's choices, which is interesting in itself to see how they handle something like that. Um, and the game itself kind of featured like a time travel mechanic and stuff. So yes. they're, they're kind of playing with like the idea of multiverses and stuff in this book. Yes. So I, th- I think they do a good job with that. So basically uh, the first uh, volume sets you up in this uh, fanfic universe of going off of the details. And then this volume is more building upon that and introducing new characters and bringing up some stuff that may have happened in the past. Um it was written by, I'm not good at pronouncing anybody's names, but Emma Bichelli, uh, and then Claudia Leonardi and Andrea Izzo did the art. Yep. So, um, but it definitely stays true to the feeling of the video game, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. When they you're, have a really good voice for the characters. Yeah, a really good voice for the characters. The artwork is great. It definitely, like looks different than the game, but also feels authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's definitely fanfic in that sense, but it doesn't feel it doesn't, untrue yeah, it doesn't, to the character. It doesn't feel like I read the X-Files series from IDW before they actually came out with the next season of X-Files. And that like felt like a fanfic by like the third or fourth issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Where they were like, Oh, uh, the lone gunman didn't die. They're secretly alive because we uh, write the lone gunman, and here's some BS excuse. And I'm like, eh. this is this is just like really bad. Like, yeah, this is this is fanfic. Right. But this this stays really true to the to the confines of what they're working in. Yeah. I think, which is always a plus when you're you're handling like an intellectual property. I think, and especially an intellectual property that like people who care about these characters really care about yeah these it's, it's a, that emotional investment thing where like if you don't want to mess this up i don't think there's i mean I'm, I'm sure i'm wrong but there's not anybody out there in like x-files land who's like really 
I don't know, probably at least for a comic book, more so for the TV show when it came back, they were like, wow, you guys screwed it all up. But <laughs> before that, um, I don't think the comic book was out there upsetting anybody, even if it was a, a bad yeah. sequel to the X-Files. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of all I got. I, you'd think I'd be reading more with all of this time that we have, and instead I'm baking a lot and playing video games and actually doing work. Yeah, well, our reading ritual, like, it, it's, <laughs> we didn't talk about this much, but uh, in regard to, like, our, our reading times and how we – we have a small apartment. It's it's basically two rooms. Um, the other room's just storage and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so like we're always on top of each other. So it's hard to just like sit down and read when we're like in the same room together. It's more like, what well, do you want to watch TV? Do you want to binge Netflix? Oh, do you want to play video games? Yeah. Like it's hard to be like quiet time. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't really exist. So she would always read in the mornings before work. Like she yeah. like on the bus or like before she, she went into the office. If she got Yeah. There my commute was my big comic book reading time. And obviously that's not happening. And my, right and now. mine was during my lunch breaks at work. I'd go to the coffee shop. Oh, uh, okay. So it's sort of, so everything is like thrown off kind of navigating. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm like reading more at, at night. I'm trying to read more comics and and you're, you're sort of in the, in the realm of like, you're not sure yet. You also, yeah, I'm not sure yet. You also went on a real book kick for a while. Yeah, quote, and I have quote, a lot quote, of... real book. Yeah, and I have a lot of like, quote-unquote regular books ready that like, that I've taken on different vacations and I have like four or five books that are almost finished but not quite. And I'm like, I really need to finish those before I start tackling more comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but what I did manage, I read a few things, but uh, what I wanted to talk about since we have, you know, uh, plenty of people on the show talking here. Uh, and I know, I think what Jared, you said you read this, right? Uh, strange Academy. I did. Yeah. So this is, um, I, I kind of fell off the strange wagon for him for a bit when Jason Aaron was writing it. And I think Mark Wade, um, but th- this kind of stuck out to me that it seemed interesting enough. And I like, the, the general young adult settings for, for these kinds of books. Uh, uh, it's written by Scotty Young and the arts by Humberto Ramos. And I believe the, the colorings by Edgar Delgado. Um, uh, the first thing I want to say is like, uh, I think the, the coloring on this like pays off in, in a huge way. Uh, just because I, I, Humberto Ramos's art is okay. Like it was fine on like Spider-Man and some of the other stuff, but I, it's always been a little too, um, I don't know what it is like cart- cartoony in a in a bad way. Yeah, I, if that makes any sense. No, I know exactly what you mean. That his, that like it's exaggerated features. Yes, and, stuff. What, and it's like very angular and very yeah yeah. A lot of a lot of his art, depending on the book, has kind of turned me off. So yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I think the 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 coloring really paid off on this though. Um, there there's some kind. It has like more of like a, a painted fairy tale watercolory vibe to it at times. I I don't know what it is. It's just it's a little bit more looser feeling. I don't I don't know if you can better describe it than I can here, Jared. No, I think that's accurate. I mean, it's I'd have to go dig it out because it's been a while since I read it, so it's not okay. fresh in my mind. But um, I don't. I like Umberto Ramos, so I don't have that that's hang up that you two have with it. So I, I can't, I don't have that same problem, but you know, the, uh, mm-hmm. the art was, um, I agree with you. It, it, it definitely was more mood setting. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, a lot of as I'm flipping through this, a lot of greens. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so the, the the premise of this book is basically uh, it starts off with the, the your 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 um introductory character. Some I'm imagining some new character called uh, I think her name's Emily Bright. Yeah. Uh, she's some kid that's growing up. She just found out she's got magic powers. Uh, the very Harry Potter-ish kind of vibe to it of like, oh, I got magic powers. Crazy shit's happening. What's going on? And then somebody shows up at her doorstep and is like, you're, you're a wizard, Emily. And then they whisk her away to Strange Academy, basically, um, which is sort of the the equivalent of, I guess, finding out that you're a mutant yes. and that you need to go to the Xavier Institute for higher learning. I felt a lot of parallels to the X-Men reading this book. Yeah. Um, and then that's kind of the same setup, really. Uh, a whole bunch of people from different magic universes getting brought over to this academy, like uh, Dormammu's son, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, some Asgardians that are just, you know, some random Asgardian nobodies. Uh, and a, a handful of other interesting characters. Um, uh, they're, they're all kind of, there's like a kid man thing looking kind of guy. Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so it's it's kind of just tapping into that whole, like, oh, we need to make up a bunch of characters from nothing. What are our, our mystical magic realms of Marvel to, to make new characters from? And then I guess the uh, the, the Institute's going to be run by, like, uh, Brother Voodoo, or, yeah, he's Brother Voodoo yeah. still, right? He's yeah. not Dr. Mm-hmm. Voodoo. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brother Voodoo, uh, Magic, D- Damon Hellstrom, Dr. Strange, of course, and a, a handful of other people. So it's it's really just a lot of setup. It's a lot of like, oh, here's the characters. Here's how how they're all going to get along. Um, if you like Avengers Academy, if you like X-Men books that focus on the school, it's that kind of thing. You, mm-hmm. This book, you know, for you. Um, or if you just like young adult books, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is kind of, I guess, the turnoff for me. Like, I love Scotty Young, the cartoonist, but I'm not, I don't really dig on Scotty Young, the writer. It just doesn't that's fair. doesn't fall. I'm not in the demographic that he's writing for, and that's fine. That's fine. I I, I don't get mad because of that. I mean, I, I've been a big fan of Umberto Ramos for a long time now. So those, you know, all the players involved, I enjoy their work. So, and I saw it on the shelf, and I've been on the fence about. And this is going back to our conversation about going to the comic book store. Uh, you know, I saw it on the shelf. I thumbed through it. I decided to give it a chance. Um, I don't know if I would stick with it. Um, I'd, I'd have to kind of just continue thumbing through issues yeah. and see what I think of it. I mean, I enjoyed some of the setup, but it did sort of feel like a magical X-Men formula. Yes. And so I just don't know. And I did read um, the Jason Aaron, Chris Bacallo, Doctor Strange run. Oh, that was good. Yeah. yeah that was so good like stuff. that, that uh, the mm-hmm. lady who recruited everybody whose name is escaping. Like I knew I was familiar with her character. Selma. Yeah. I thought that was her and I couldn't remember what her name was. And I was like, is that the chick from the beginning of the Jason Aaron run? I, I, yeah. And I, I assume it was. Sure it is. And so, and so I sort of, that was nice. Cause I felt like I didn't need to read whatever I missed in between with Dr. Strange. I, I, yeah. I pick up this up pretty easily. I knew, I knew that at some point there was something that happened with magic. Yeah. That storyline. That were like, magic doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Now I guess it's back. So. And yeah, and there was that little blurb at the beginning. It's like, hey, magic's back in a big bad way, and now it's booming. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like I'm up yeah. to like I was able to hit the ground running because it gave me like what I needed to know. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I didn't have any problems with that. I just don't know. I mean, it kind of reminds me of like Wolverine and the X Men. Yeah. 
And yeah. when you're talking about like it's a school book, um, and that's where I kind of like my my I guess complaint about Scott Young, the writer, is it's not. It's he's like a a really good cover band as a writer. (laughs) Uh, I don't feel like he's giving me anything new, but he's pretty much taking the stuff that he likes and just like putting it back out there, which is weird because I like the uh, I hate Fairyland. Like his original stuff doesn't really resonate with me that way. Like his for hire stuff does. Yeah. So I'm still on the fence about it. When when things resume and I can go and thumb through the next issue, I'll. I'll make my decision then. I may be one and done. I may be on board. I don't know yet. Did, did you try his um, Rocket Raccoon? I did. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. For what I, I thought he did some funny stuff in that book. He has a decent sense of humor. Then uh, I was reading um, Middle West. The, the oh, yeah. copies being sent away. Um, I, 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 it, it doesn't hook me, though. Like when he draws the stuff, like I'm on board. But when he writes the stuff, I'm can take it or leave it. That's fair. I I, I would just say that I would have one thing to say, and I I have not read this, but I I like the idea of collecting all the uh, magic based characters that that have been around for a while that we're familiar with, um, in the same way that I think they did it. In the in the Jason Aaron Strange run, when there was the the bar that the, yeah, that the yes. magic yeah. characters congregated at, and I I really like that because up to that point, I feel like you've never really seen these characters get together outside of like the occasional team up. So yeah, it rarely happens. It's yeah. Yeah, now they're all because it wasn't Scarlet Witch, one of the instructors at the Strange Academy as well. Yeah, she's also there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I might have omitted her. So, so, so that appeals to me as you know, someone who's hearing all these these characters that have been around for a while, but like seeing them all in one book, I'm like, that sounds kind of cool. Like that that makes me want to check it out. And and and, and I get that the the, you know, uh, uh, idea of the book is not that, that it's more the school. It's more like, you know, Harry Potter and the Marvel U, but Mm -hmm. it's, you know, but like I said, the, the idea that all these, uh, established characters are teaching the next generation of, of, uh, magic, uh, you know, magic based characters is kind of fun. Yeah, and and, and uh, not that it's going to be the same book, but I, when I when uh, Avengers Academy was, uh, I think it, it, it that book did a good job of splitting attention between uh, the teachers and their baggage, as, and then dealing with the students and their mm-hmm. baggage as well. So it was kind of hoping this does the same thing, where it'll you know obviously involve some of the uh, important things for maybe some of the instructors and how they relate to these kids. Um, I feel as if I feel as if you might have actually seen a, a a smidge of that somewhere in this book, but I can't remember what it was. Like near the end, like it, it looked like during the big fight or something, they might have mentioned something. But e- either way, like just stuff like that, where it's it were, you know, that they they can make connections with these kids in some way. Mm-hmm. I do have one more, one last, uh, I guess, gripe, complaint, whatever. Mm-hmm. I just want to point this out to make myself feel smart. Like the, uh, 
the, the Bobby Dormammu character, whatever his name was, like I thought it was clever, but it also reminded me of Brew from Wolverine and the X Men, where there was this the little like precocious brood. Oh, yeah. right. So that's where it just sort of felt like I don't know. It, it just feels like I I've seen it before. Like I, have, I mean, I, I'm also re- there's Kid Apocalypse. Yeah, it's like they always do it. They're like, let's take this big badass villain and just give him a dorky son. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Kid Apocalypse like a clone or something? He was. I think he might have been a clone of Apocalypse. Yeah, because it was X Men. Of course, it was a clone. that character had. Like, I I know what you're saying, but I actually I'm gonna jump to that have, character's yeah. defense because he he actually enjoyed that character. There was yeah. They gave they put some meat on those bones. Yeah. And Brew was no, I mean, fun, but you hadn't really seen a character like Brew before. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, the 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 Dormammu Junior character just felt like yeah he's just this angsty yeah. ass with the flame on it the all just kind of felt like a, a rehash and that, that I guess that was yeah. my biggest like no that's fair it's kind of forced I don't know forced is the word I'd use it's just like by the numbers mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. not really all that original gotcha. I just feel like I've seen it before. Yeah. Like the formula I've seen before. Now the variables are just like the magic characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the most interesting part of the book for me was the uh, the Asgardians who they were just like, oh, here's yeah. some random. There's these I, two brothers that are just there. I did like the line where the roommate's asking him about Thor, and he's like, "Look, Asgard's a big place. We all don't know Thor." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of that's yeah, kind of cool. Happen to live in Asgard. It's not like you know. Some important person, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like they're like, oh, Kid Loki's part of the academy or yeah. something like that. You know, it's like, yeah, we we live in Pittsburgh, but we don't know Sidney Crosby. You know, it's just, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Okay, well, I was going to bring up one last book, uh, just because we've we've been on for a while. We've been uh, we've been recording for over an hour and a half, so <laughs> I feel yes. like um, I just wanted to give a shout out to. Uh, local creator and friend of the show, Dave Wachter, uh, who's also, he was uh, for a long time was the penciler for IDW's ongoing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he's also done uh, several Godzilla books and several mm-hmm. creator owned projects. Uh, most notably the guns of shadow Valley, which was a, a, a terrific, terrific read. Uh, but he's working on an, on a new creator, uh, creator owned book called, the detachment and he was kind enough to send out uh, some PDF uh, previews and uh, we got one and it was, um, you know, just a, I don't know, would you say just like maybe a half dozen or so pages of a story and some uh, sketchbook work and some notes. But I, I feel pretty confident in saying like, this looks very different than anything Dave has done in the past. Um, yeah, I, I was. I really liked the look of it. The coloring blew my mind. Uh, that was the. That was the one, first thing that jumped out at yeah, me. Yeah, that was a really a big thing that stood out for me was the coloring. I mean, the the color palette was just amazing, and uh, and 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 it's. Uh, I I feel like it's some pretty hard sci-fi, which is which is cool. It's. I think this is something that we've not seen from Dave before. A lot, a lot of his work. Um, I don't want to say it's like grounded in reality because obviously he does like the turtles and Godzilla and yeah. you know, the, the breath of bones. And, but this is like, I've never seen him do sci-fi before. And I, I, 
I, I would, that's how I would describe him. That's how his work always struck me. So particularly going to Ninja Turtles, like sucks a juxta, juxtaposition of style versus uh, content. And I was, I thought that was very interesting about that. And I'm just curious if there's like, if this is the extension of that, of an artist who had that one style being in this world, like did this, like, is this the, the product of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this this preview got me very excited to uh, see the finished product, and I don't know if it's going to, uh, you know, we, we'll try and um, you know try and get him on the show at some point uh, to talk to him about it because I'm not sure uh, I, if I don't recall, and maybe one of you guys noticed it, or if he mentioned it, if it was going to be an ongoing or if it was going to be like an like an OGN or a one shot. I don't recall what, sure. the, what the duration of the, of the book is going to be, but either way, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm, it would, it would be nice to get him on the purple couch. Cause it's been a minute <laughs> since he's been on the show. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And even if we can, I mean, I think we could probably yeah. get him on, uh, get him on the old squad cast since this is a kind of a, definitely a more user friendly, discussion tool than Skype was. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the official endorsement for Squadcast. Right yes. <laughs> Comic Book Pit, very happy with Squadcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a chance to look at uh, Dave's preview, he's actually offering it. I mean, if you just contact him and give him your email address, he will send it to you. You don't have to be a, you know, you don't have to have a blog or a podcast or a review website or a member of the press. I mean, I, it sounds like he's willing to, to offer it. If you just, if you just reach out to him, tell him you're interested in checking it out, send him your email address. I think he would be happy to, to get it out there, uh, especially, um, you know, with, with so many cons falling by the wayside because of, you know, current events, uh, you know, a lot of creators are like, like the comic shops, they're looking to diversify mm-hmm. and, get their work out there and do commissions and sell their wares. And so, uh, so this is, you know, another thing that Dave is doing in order to, you know, hopefully generate some revenue down the line is to, you know, put out his own, his own book. So it would be awesome if you, uh, you know, reach out to Dave and check out his work and eventually, you know, spread the word of how absolutely gorgeous this book looks. I think that's all I have. I have one last quick tidbit. Oh, yeah, uh, sure. So I had these old wizards here that I was thumbing through. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was looking at the August 1997 issue of Wizard. In July 27th of 1997 in Pittsburgh, there was a comic book show. I'll hold it out. Is it re- mirrored? Yeah. You guys not read the name? No, I can read it. Yeah. Yeah, Three Rivers Comic Con. Just for those at home. Oh, oh wow. Wow. It was funny. That was it, and I posted a photo on social media, and uh, okay, our uh, our Sean and Mines colleague from Seven by Seven DJ uh, posted that uh, he was he attended that show. Oh, cool! <laughs> so, so I thought it was funny that all those years ago there was a uh, Three Rivers Comic Con, and it's back. Huh. Yeah, and and unfortunately, like I said, uh, talking about you know, all the cons that have gone, uh, you know, that have had to either cancel or reschedule uh if you haven't 
seen on online or on the social media. Uh, unfortunately, Three Rivers Comic Con is not immune to this. The show was supposed to take place next month, towards the end of May. Uh, the decision was made to 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 postpone the show till next year. You know, in the interest of public health and yeah, uh, obviously everything was going on. So, you know, as the official show, or I'm sorry, the official podcast of Three Rivers Comic Con, you know, we wanted to put that out there, and and uh, you know, we're just. Uh, excited for the show to come back in 2021. Uh, you know, so definitely keep an eye out for that. And, you know, you can always visit their social media uh, to find out ways to support the show. You can actually still sign up for the show for next year. In fact, uh, it was really encouraging to, uh, you know, once the word went out, they, they gave uh, artists and vendors who had already paid for their, their tables, the option of either getting a, f- a full refund or, you know, paying it forward to next year. And um, very few people have asked for a refund. Uh, a lot of people are saying just uh, keep it for next year. So I feel like that's kind of, uh, that's great. yeah, that's kind of cool. encouraging. It's, and that's a, that, that just shows how, how strong the community is and how, how much, you know, people support each other. So, uh, you know, that's definitely, you know, you, you can, you know, there's still ways to support uh, cons and, stores and things like that. So, you know, definitely keep an eye out. And if you don't see anything, you know, if you've got a favorite store or creator, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to them on uh, social media mm-hmm. and ask how you can help them. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's a way. Anybody have any, uh, anything to add? Um, I, I, I know you guys are uh, Sean and Jared, you guys are, Working on season three of Seven by Seven, right? Uh, four, four, four. Oh, season four. I'm sorry. They, season they, four will start in Monday. Hold on, I look at the calendar. That's Monday, the thirteenth, the thirteenth of, of April. Okay. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. That's a uh, season four of the Seven by Seven web comics crew, which also includes uh, our other host uh, Scott Headland. But all, um, you know, and not to uh, forget the other guys involved, um, organizer DJ Kaufman, who has his own um, his own comic. And then Ian Sharpley, who is is on the McSauce podcast, you know, friend of a uh, friend of the show. And uh, Mikey Wood, also a longtime friend of Comic Book Pit and Barry Link, of course. Can't forget Barry Link. Uh Old man web comics. There, he's one. Of the, he's he's definitely an OG, and I think that's it, right, guys? Is that does yes. that miss anybody? Okay, yes, that's everybody. That's it. So and that's another that's another one you can support easily just by going on their Patreon and throwing them a few bucks. As well as you can go to the site now and just see the the weekly updates. We don't do the whole like you pay a dollar, you get the the new access. You know, you don't get the access first. Everyone You're still welcome to, to give us money, though. We do have... Well, there's extra stuff now. I think yeah. it's more of like, if you want to we'll see sketchbooks, and yeah, like yeah. we're trying to come up with other stuff. Um, right now, 
everyone can catch up on season three or season one for Jared and I'm just going to say season three. I, I don't want to like <laughs> be playing this game. So you can say season three is seven by seven. I joined in season three. There's a big old lump one where you can, I don't know what DJ calls it, but it basically it's just like season three collected and you just, just click through the whole thing to read the entire season's worth of strips. Yeah. It's on all the social medias. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. Seven X Seven. If you're typing it out. Yeah, that's it. Seven X. Sorry, I got distracted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyone have anything? Uh, any final, final words? Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm not good at that. Yeah. Be be safe out there, everyone. Use your you know, use your common sense, like Jared said. Wash your hands, you know. Look for masks on Etsy. Yeah, yeah. masks for Etsy. Uh, yep. Eat the rich. Wear masks, make masks, eat the rich. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, be a, be a good neighbor down. if you can. Be a good neighbor. Guillotines are only $1,200. Uh. <laughs> make ah. Mr. Rogers proud of yeah. Same amount as, a, uh, as the uh, stimulus check. Yeah. What a coincidence. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been episode 347 of the Comic Book Pit. I'm Dan, and with me uh, is Jared. See ya. Sean. Bye. Kate. Bye. And Link. See you, everybody. All right. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.